Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning. This is Brad Pearl and your Monday host for Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in historic Waterbury, Vermont. We have a great uh, show this morning. Uh, Great guests. Uh, I'll be starting uh, in a little bit with uh, Sonia Lundy, who is director of the Fleming Museum. If you've never been to the Fleming, it's this absolute treasure in Burlington on the UVM campus. I'll be talking to uh, Elliot Greenblatt for our monthly conversation about uh, Fraud Watch and all the evils out there, people um, getting solicited for money and uh, it's a billion dollar industry and Elliot helps us through that. Uh, and then at 1030, Jeff Wilcock will join me. He's with the Vermont Weatherization Program, which is part of the, uh, program department for children and families and, uh, help, helping you in your homes if you need it, uh, with weatherization. So it's a, it's a great, uh, great thing to learn today. Uh, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, it was a little, uh, foggy. I think the earth is warmer than the air this morning and, uh, it was, there was mist on the lake in St. Albans when I left and, uh, and driving and all the, the worker ants were in their cars headed to Burlington and, uh, Winooski and Williston and, uh, just a lot of traffic and then, uh, freeze up and I get here to Waterbury. I had, uh, yesterday was, a uh, um, hay got delivered, a hundred bales of hay. The farmer that I get it from brought his hay wagon and left it at my doorstep. And I had to, uh, stack it into the loft and, uh, my loft, there's no conveyor for that. It's just a matter of climbing up a ladder one bale at a time. And when, when you look at a hundred bales in a, a hay, Wagon, you want to sort of run, jump in the lake, and <laughs> drown yourself. But it was uh, just as cathartic um, taking two bales by wheelbarrow and bringing them to the barn, carrying them up, getting on the ladder one at a time. And you know, it's these things in life that look like they're impossible to achieve. But at seven o'clock last night, I got the last bale in and. Went into the house and I felt good about it. And our sheep are going to have plenty of hay for the winter, so it's all it's all a good journey. Uh, I want to welcome now in studio uh, my first guest, uh, Sonia Lundy, director of Fleming Museum. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Well, it's great to have you here, and uh, you didn't have a long drive this morning. That's true. I just moved to Waterbury two weeks ago. Yeah, well, it's perfect timing then. Perfect timing. <laughs> Did, were you intuitive? Maybe I'll be on the radio. <laughs> I better buy a house in Waterbury. WDEV was the was at the top of my list when I was house hunting. Awesome. So here I am. <laughs> here you are. So we talked off air this week um, or last week about um, Fleming Museum. I I remember the Fleming Museum as a. Uh, kid growing up in Burlington, 
go to the Fleming Museum and then go to the UVM Dairy Bar and get ice cream cones for then, I'm aging myself, five cents or ten cents for an ice cream cone. Sure. <laughs> uh, but the Fleming Museum was just this beautiful place. And, and it still is. And you can still do both of those things at UVM, although I I can't actually vouch for how expensive the ice cream cones are nowadays. But, yeah, the Fleming has been on UVM's campus since 1931. Yeah. And can you give us a little background about how it was established? Mm-hmm. or? Sure thing. Um, like a lot of colleges and universities, there has been a collection of art objects on the campus of University of Vermont probably since its beginnings, its very beginnings. Um, but in 1931, McKim, Mead & White, the architecture firm, who actually many people may recognize around the city of Burlington, they're responsible for designing the Ira Allen Chapel, Burlington City Hall, the Waterman Building on campus, um, also designed the Fleming Museum. It was a project um, conceived of with the intent of collecting all of those art objects and some of the natural history collections at UVM and house them under one roof officially for the first time as a museum space. And uh, I read uh, you talked about artifacts. Um, it's said in uh, among the museum's initial collections were fossils, stuffed birds, mm-hmm. a sperm whale tooth, and a cannonball that a local resident found while gardening. That's, <laughs> that's I'm sure that's true. Uh, that is true. Some of the natural history collections, like those um, taxidermied animals, um, the the whale tooth, um, did come into the Fleming originally, but have been relocated to the science buildings at UVM. Um, so we house primarily just art objects now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering about the the safety of gardening. Uh, I'm going to go out and pick some carrots, <laughs> but be careful of cannonballs. <laughs> right. Uh, so it is a beautiful building, and you mentioned the, the architecture that is around um, in uh, but it it really created the foundation for you know empty rooms to fill them and and that's happened over you know decades mm-hmm. there yes in fact I imagine and I can't I obviously was not there but I know that the Billings Library which was the original library space on campus as well was sort of busting at the seams so there were even book collections in the in the museum's central Wilbur room which was kind of a reading room and display area for objects i imagine that almost immediately after construction was completed the entire building was pretty well filled up with the collections and even books that came from the library um, into the Fleming and um, today we're like most museums that I know of where we have our storage facilities pretty much maxed out we have almost 24,000 objects under the roof at the Fleming Museum of Art um, wow. And a small percentage of those are on view. Most of them are in storage, which is common at all museums. And you've been director for a while. Do you, do you even, do you, is it like going through, uh, your kitchen cupboards and seeing stuff that you didn't know was there? For sure. I actually have been director for a little less than a year. So okay. Not, not too, I'm still, I'm very much learning the collection and, you know, and that's an ongoing process. No one can know 
24,000 objects intimately, each one. So I'm having fun working with our staff and going through storage and going through our database and learning more about what's there. New eyes on stuff, right? For sure. Yes. Which must be very exciting because yeah. others may have said, oh, yeah, we've, we've looked at this for years. And, and you may go, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Yes. So fun. Uh, we're talking with uh, Sonia Lundin, the director of the Fleming Museum. If you want to join our call, if you've got some uh, recollections of uh, Fleming Museum from childhood or even adulthood, whatever, give us a call at 802-244-1777. Um, we'll go back a little bit more about you. you you're a native Vermonter. That's right. And uh, so what was... You go from childhood to being a museum director. (laughs) What's a little of the journey? (laughs) That's right. I was um, born and raised in Rutland County in the little tiny town of Chittenden, Vermont, which isn't too far. I actually went to Rutland High School. It's not – it's 15 miles or so outside of Rutland. And – I think the beginnings of all of this probably started on childhood trips to Boston or Montreal and and um, even around Vermont, going to the Shelburne Museum for sure. And even the Fleming Museum um, really planted the seed. Um, the Fleming Museum in particular holds a special place in my heart and for my family. My um, maternal grandfather, both of my parents were raised in Barrie. My maternal grandfather was a first-generation Italian-American um, who was an amateur photographer and had a dark room in his basement on Nelson Street in Barrie. And he, um, a photograph of his was included in an exhibition of amateur Vermont artists at the Fleming Museum. We don't know the exact year, probably in the late 40s, Um but so that was just kind of a fact in our family that, you know, is, is kind of special and um, that I'm now the director is just kind of a dream come true, really. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just after high school, um, I studied abroad as an exchange student and was just exposed to art all over Europe. Um, I got a bachelor's degree in art history and um began my career actually working in other large nonprofits and understanding that I really enjoyed um, strategic planning and project management and the arts. And so, you know, arts administration um, is the kind of job in the field that really combines my interests and my skills. And when I thought long about moving back to the Northeast, because I've been living out West for a long time, um, this opportunity became available at the Fleming and, uh, I had to uh, had to throw my hat, my hat into the ring. Had to. So awesome. We're talking with Sonia Lundy. She's director of the Fleming Museum, uh, a, a beautiful uh, treasure in Burlington on the UVM campus. Uh, you said Montreal, and I was reminded as a kid, I went to Red Path Museum up at, yeah. I think it's part of uh, maybe McGill, McGill or something, and dinosaur bones and all of that and it's all of these things are just so attractive to to children i think it's get to see a imaginary things that are real that's true that's true <laughs> um so you uh 
you ventured out into the world, um, but uh, you came home. That's right. <laughs> I did. I came home last year, and it's just been a wonderful return. Yeah. I've always – I never – I never really left Vermont in my heart, even though I've been living, you know, out of state for several decades. Um, I've always been a, a Vermonter just kind of living elsewhere. So it feels good to actually uh, be here and have keys to a front door again. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, you can come home is what we learn. Uh and you're a skier and all of that. Yes, yes. Um, my home mountain is Killington. Killington Pico is where I grew up skiing as a kid. Awesome. And mm-hmm. I I noticed in notes that you're a Jeopardy fan. Are you are you someone who we may see sometime as a Jeopardy oh. champion from Vermont? Oh man, that's a deep cut. I <laughs> love love Jeopardy. I'm obsessed. I do take the test, the online test, every year. You're allowed to take it once a year. Um, so far, I haven't, uh, I haven't had any success. Although, frankly, if I actually got picked, I think I would be so terrified to actually play on the air. I'm not sure how that would go, but um, no, I love the show. So, Well, when I'm sitting eating dinner and I yell out a Jeopardy answer and my daughter's with me and I'm quite wrong, <laughs> it tells me that I'm not meant for that show. <laughs> I have a feeling. Uh, Greg, I see you through the, the glass. Are you, uh, are you a Jeopardy... Uh, this is my producer, Greg Titus. <laughs> yes, uh, my wife and I, uh, watch Jeopardy. Uh, well, actually, what's funny, so, the, the, to the miracles of DVR, I, I believe the most we've had backed up, we had over a hundred episodes backed up at one point. Wow, so did you have a marathon? Did you binge well, them all? Uh, well, it's, it's sort of hard to binge because you feel dumb. <laughs> After you've watched two or three shows, and like you say, you keep give, you keep, keep shouting out the wrong answers. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, I gotta move on. I'm the same as you. Um, I, I I've taken the online line test uh-huh. uh, pr- probably a couple times a year. Um, and, and again, um, it, it's very simple to sit uh, in your recliner yes. and and guess along. Yes. But the pressure those people are under, yeah. because it's their life dream for yes. a lot of these people. And the thing is, is they work. Yeah, no, they, they really do. You yeah. can actually study. Yeah, and yeah. And uh, yourself to a whole regimen of yeah. how to get on Jeopardy. And I'm not that devoted to getting on Jeopardy. No, no, no. And so, so it's sort of like uh, I, I take the test, but I'm, I'm like you. I don't know what I would do if they actually called. I know it's frustrating though because they don't actually score your no, test. For no, you. You really no. And, and I and I've tried. It, so the format, folks. So you've got 15 <laughs> seconds to answer the questions. And, and and the thing is, is that so I've tried. What I tried one time, I was trying to keep track of how many I thought I got right. Mm-hmm. But you don't have time. No. No, you don't have time to think about you, you it. You don't have time to do anything no. else other than try to answer the no. question. So no. um, I feel your pain yeah. when it comes to that. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. I wish you luck. <laughs> you as well. <laughs> I can't wait to see both of you. <laughs> uh, Vermont's flower, Vermont's horse, Morgan horse. Maybe do you'll get lucky Red with the question. It is interesting. Vermont-based questions often stumped the contestants. They don't know. And I always know them. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Uh, so we're, we're talking with uh, Sonia Lundy. She's the director of the Fleming Museum. Uh, you're right on campus. You're part of the university. That's correct. And part of the arts. Yes. 
program. So yes. you're you're like not one flower. It's a whole it's a whole collage. That's really that's a nice metaphor. Yes, we are part of the University of Vermont. In fact, um, we're celebrating a year of being incorporated into the brand new School of the Arts at UVM, which is part of the College of Arts and Sciences. Um, the School of the Arts was formed last summer in 2022 to really bring together the different discrete program art programs um, at UVM. So think of studio art, art history, music, theater, dance, creative writing, um, film and television studies, all of those programs, um, instead of kind of operating in little silos on their own, have now actually um, organizationally been brought together under one school, the School of the Arts, and included in the school is the Lane Series Concerts, which many of your listeners may be familiar with, and uh, and now the Fleming Museum of Art as well, which really just opens up so many opportunities to collaborate with our colleagues um, and really opens up a lot of opportunities for students to access the Fleming in lots of different ways. And you have um, some open space in the museum. Do you have special events as well that gatherings, music, or anything like that? Yeah. Some of your listeners who may have visited the Fleming might be familiar with the Marble Court, um, which is um, it actually used to be the main entrance of the museum. Um, You used to enter the museum off of Colchester Avenue, and you would have walked right into the Marble Court, which is a sort of a two-level really sort of grand room with a mezzanine that goes around it. We do have special events. Um, Last week, in fact, we had a whole panel of artists from our um, featured exhibition this fall called Praxis, which is a show of recent work by studio art faculty at UVM. And five of the artists in that show, along with our curator of collections, um, sat in conversation with a really large audience of probably, I think, over 100 um, folks um, listening to them talk about their their work and um, talk to each other about um, connections they were making by seeing each other's work and conversation in the gallery. It was really nice. Um, so we have programs like that. We have public open houses and receptions in that space. Um, it's, a, it's a nice space to gather. And um, later on, this what month we're in October. Later on this month, we're actually having a dance performance um, in the Marble Court as well on a Friday and a Saturday. That's um, being led by a member of the dance faculty at the School of the Arts. Wow, how exciting! So we have all kinds of things that go on in that space. And is it um, germane to UVM only, or could people actually rent your space? Or my understanding is that before COVID. Um, there were more opportunities um, to rent the space. Um, that that is not an option right now. We have yeah. not we have not um, brought back sort of public rentals of that space. It's something we do talk about um, yeah. doing, but uh, of course that requires um, a little bit different sort of staffing model that we have right now to manage events like that. The return to the world is slow. In some in some ways, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it it probably will happen, and it'll be exciting. But what you are doing is very exciting. Um, I know the space well. I used to enter from the the roadside up yeah. the big steps yep. and yep. those gigantic yes. doors. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was quite yes. exciting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the. Um, you mentioned, I mean, you've got so much in the museum and 
your focus now is is what would you if 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 you can pinpoint something is is there sort of the the major theme or is it just so varied? The Fleming's collection is very broad, and that makes it a great museum, teaching museum for a campus and for our neighboring communities as well. Because in many cases, there's a little bit of everything um, from which to teach. If you're a faculty member at UVM or you're an educator in the K-12 through school system, um, there's a little bit of everything to see if you're a visitor. Um and so our focus really is on being a teaching and learning museum um, at, you know, at the University of Vermont. So we are not um, trying to be like a miniature version of the Met. Um, you know, I make no claims that our collection is fully representative of any culture or any sort of period in time in terms of art making, but we do have a wonderfully broad collection of artworks that were created thousands and thousands of years ago. I mean, ancient artifacts right up to contemporary work that was, you know, that was made last year. Um, so there's, there, there, there are a lot of, a lot of conversations, um, and a lot of topics that we can talk about through the lens of art because we have so much of it represented in our collections. You're, you're open to the public, but you, you, um, it begs the question, do professors bring students in and, and actually sit in rooms and, and instruct? That's a good question. We are open to the public and we are always free, um, to the public, not just to UVM faculty and students. So we're always open um, for free. Um, but yes, faculty from UVM utilize the Fleming's building and also our collections uh, very often. We have a special space upstairs on our second floor that's called our learning studio, um, which is a lovely wide open gallery space that has a lot of kind of modular furniture that can be moved around, like think about tables on, you know, wheels and chairs and shelving that can be moved around. And we have shelves kind of around the perimeter of the walls so that we can actually work with faculty and students to select artworks from our digital database that they would like to see, but maybe isn't on exhibition right now. So we can pull those objects out of our storage facilities, put them on view for a temporary period of time for like a week or so, and the faculty can bring their classes and actually hold their class right there in the gallery space. And students have opportunities to really look closely, um, you know, examine works, talk about them. Um, faculty often create assignments and it's a great space for teaching and learning. Very exciting. Uh, we're talking with Sonia Lundy, uh, director of the Fleming Museum. If you haven't been to the museum, it's a rare treasure in Burlington. Um, get on your computers right now. Google it if you haven't been there, and you can start seeing how how wonderful it is. And uh, you're, you're talking about um, exhibits, uh, Sonia. Do they – are you – Somewhat static in some of the the rooms, and and it's things that people will always see. And then other rooms are like a mural of newness. Yes, that's a great question. The Fleming 
as we've already discussed, has a collection of almost 24,000 objects. So some of our gallery spaces are dedicated to exhibiting works from our um, what we call permanent collections. But our goal is not to have permanent galleries. So we really aim to rotate works of art. And um, the staff and I in this first year as director have worked really hard um, to, to sort of dive into that work to kind of disrupt the art permanent collection display areas and make them more dynamic. And so hopefully every time somebody comes to the Fleming, you know, if they visit every couple of months, there's always going to be something new for them to see from the museum's collections. In addition to those galleries, we have a few spaces devoted to rotating temporary exhibitions, and we usually um, change those out on the semester schedule with UVM. So, of course, this fall we have a whole suite of new exhibitions that are temporary. Now, some of them are drawn from our collections, and there are special exhibitions that our staff um, pretty much made from scratch. Um, and sometimes we borrow exhibitions from other museums or traveling exhibition. Um, there are there are firms that have sort of freelance curators and they actually build exhibitions for traveling around to different museums. So we often borrow um, loaned exhibitions like that as well and put them on view for three to four months. That's uh, very exciting. And so d- does that become an expense to the museum? It is an expense. Yeah. Um, it is an expense all the way around. There are costs, certainly, to even um, just essentially rearranging the art from our own collection. Um, if you can imagine, that requires sometimes work to mat and frame two-dimensional works on paper, um, repainting walls. Sometimes a little light construction work is required to move walls around, um, to change out lighting. Um, so there, there are there are hard costs associated with even just taking care of our own collections. And certainly with special exhibitions, um, there are expenses. Um, there are sometimes rental fees, um, shipping, insurance, um, all of those costs um, um, uh, are, were presented with as well. And yet you're free to the public. So, and yet we're free to the public. Yeah, yes. which yes. is awesome. Yes. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, if you have memories of Fleming Museum like I do, I remember as a kid they had knights of shining armor and lances and swords and, and all of this, and it was absolutely fascinating to me. Give us a call, 802-244-1777. Uh, We'd be remiss if we don't um, at least mention one exhibit that's been there forever, and it's a young woman in the form of a mummy. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it, that's something that uh, was there when I was a kid, and uh, I don't I don't know too much about her, but well, um, interesting enough, um, he's a he. Ah. I didn't know that. <laughs> so again, I'm I'm still learning, you know, facts about objects in the Fleming's collection. But it is true there are human remains, mummified remains of an ancient Egyptian young person. Um, about five or six years ago, the University of Vermont Medical Center uh, performed an MRI on the um, mummy, actually, and discovered that in fact it is not a female 
It is male. Wow. Um, <laughs> and a, 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 apparently a juvenile probably in his teens at the time of death. Um, it is um, an object that came into the Fleming's collection um, a long time ago. Actually, I believe right at the beginnings of the Fleming Museum, it came into the collection in the early 30s, and it was on view for many, many, many decades. There are so many folks who do come into the museum that remember, like you, seeing the mummy and wondering where it is. It is not on view currently. Um, it is being housed in storage, and we're having lots of conversations around um, – you know, the ethics and, and, um, of, of displaying, you know, human remains, especially when we don't have the expertise on staff to actually, um, dive into the research and find out more about who this person was. Um, so we are, um, keeping the mummy very safely stored in our, um, in one of our storage rooms and he, he is currently not on, on view. Okay. Uh, you may remember him and, um, and maybe he'll be back. We'll see. It's possible. I, uh, we talked off air, uh, of friends of ours were, uh, close friends with Francis Coburn, sure. who is a Vermont, um, artist and a poet, I think, and, and lots of other things. He was a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. And there's still some, uh, Coburn art within your museum, but also within the university, yes, at least a gallery. That's true. You know, one of the um, real pleasures of coming home to Vermont and, you know, being an art lover myself and working in museums for many years is now um, having a chance at this time in my career to really um, get to know Vermont artists um, in a different way than I ever have before. And Francis Colburn is certainly one of them, you know, this beloved artist, uh, former faculty member at UVM. And yes, there are, we have several um, Colburn paintings in the Fleming's collection. Um, a handful of them are actually on view currently in a couple of different areas around the museum. So if you're a Colburn fan, please come on over um, and check out uh, the paintings we have on view. But you're right, they are all, there are also Colburn paintings around um, campus. We are talking with Sonia Lundy, and uh, it's she is the um, director of the Fleming Museum. Uh, it's free. If you've been sitting in your house with your five children and they're driving you nuts and you want to get in your car and go to a beautiful place, Fleming Museum. And there's parking. We do. Um, contrary to um, perception, there is a little bit of parking at UVM. We are very, very fortunate to have a dedicated parking lot on the east side of the museum building. And that's the side, if you're familiar with campus, that's um, between the museum and the uh, emergency room entrance to the hospital, that side of campus. And uh, we do have spots that when the Fleming is open are dedicated to visitors of the Fleming Museum. So I hope that doesn't deter anyone from coming up to campus because I know camping, uh, parking can be uh, intimidating. Yeah, well, it sounds like you, you've got – so people would get a pass, put it on their car, and then enjoy the museum. That's correct. Yeah, yes. nice. Yes. So you've – uh, been there less than a year, but you are getting your feet wet with um, all within. Uh, is there something that just totally att- you're attracted to at the museum that sort of warms your soul? Uh, That's a good question. I'm, I have to think about that for a minute. You know, I I um, 
I, I guess I would say first and foremost, um, you know, I love, I love art and I love museums. Um, but I'm especially, um, content and grateful to be working at an academic museum on the campus of a university. Um, I, I believe and um, know through experience and have already experienced in my short tenure at the Fleming that art museums like the Fleming can be real gateways between institutions of higher ed and our neighboring public communities. You know, uh, you don't have to pay tuition and enroll to come into the Fleming. Anybody can come into the Fleming. And there are real opportunities to to build bridges and make connections between truly amazing work that's going on all over the university's campus, not not just in the art departments either. You know, we do a lot of interesting collaborations with faculty and students from engineering and, you know, from, from the medical school and the nursing, nursing school. Um, you know, we, we partner and work with our libraries and, um, it's a great way to come in and, um, kind of experience in a larger sense what's going on on the university campus and, um, to also look out into our neighboring communities and find organizations and individuals that are doing a lot of intersecting or overlapping work, um, with stuff that's, that's happening on campus. So I love being part of that, um, and kind of in that triangle of connecting, a campus, a university campus with a public community. And if you are, are a budding artist of sorts and have, have done some work or you've got a collection of budding artists, do, do some of their work get into your museum as just sort of part of a community thing or? Well, certainly, you know, that's part, part of my job and, and, and some of the folks on our staff is to certainly, um, you know, become part of the larger arts community, certainly in Chittenden County and, and statewide around Vermont, getting to know our artists communities and, and the landscape of Vermont artists is certainly, um, something that we're all interested in and devoted to. Um, and then, you know, as, as evidence, even this, this fall, I mean, our featured exhibition is, is, uh, um, the first ever collective show by studio art faculty at UVM. They're not only, you know, teachers and professors in, in the studio art um, department. They are professional, very talented working artists. And we have 15 of them um, on exhibition all together as a cohort right now. Um, so those are 15 contemporary artists living and working in, in Vermont on view at the Fleming. It really puts the academics into real world, right? Absolutely. And it's a great experience and it's really important for students, all kinds of students, to see their professors work. Um, and it's just a wonderful um, opportunity, too, to see these artists kind of in conversation with each other and to see how um, their work really kind of – there are lots of sort of underpinning themes that they're all sort of thinking about um, in today's world. All oh. art was contemporary at one time, I like to tell people. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, so the museum – there's also sort of a social mission as well that's important to you. Can can you talk about that a little bit? I believe that museums, you know, not unlike libraries, community centers, um, and and other sort of nonprofits in our communities, can really be spaces for um, groups of people to come together to have all kinds of conversations. It's something. 
I don't think I could have articulated that way as a younger person or as a student, but I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on why I was so drawn into museums or sort of drawn into art history. But now I can kind of describe for you and describe for myself that you can sort of use art as a lens through which to have a conversation about almost anything. Um, you can talk about climate, you can talk about social justice, you can talk about, um, you know, anything, um, because artists have been making work for thousands of years about the human experience, about the shared human experience. That's amazing. You know, I, I've interviewed, um, musicians, uh, over, over the last year and the same kind of thing. They're, the 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 lyrics and the the movement and the times have all been captured in music and mm-hmm. you captured in art but it's you really become a living museum is that right absolutely yeah absolutely um and so what are what are the, you know we learn from history what are there any sort of valuable lessons you're <laughs> you're sort of getting your arms around right now that that are helpful to people to hear I hope that when people come to the the Fleming or really when they experience, you know, when they go to any museum, that um, they open themselves up to just sort of seeing and thinking about something a little differently, that it sparks critical thinking and dialogue, that you see something that makes you want to talk about something else or makes you think after you've left the building and it's just kind of the wheels are turning in your mind. And even if you can't quite put your finger on it, that something about that experience has just sparked joy, sparked contemplation, has sparked self-reflection. And that you never know when you walk in, you know, what, what work of art might do that for you. Um, you might not even feel it when you're in the building, but, um, I've had that happen to me so many times, um, that I, you know, I just sort of wish that for everybody. Yeah, no, it's remarkable. And you remind me that, um, sometimes in even going to Shelburne Museum, you, it's sort of like a marathon of going from this to that to this to that to this to that and you 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 take things in but really maybe being more meditative in in rooms is uh would gives you something i don't know what that is well and the fleming's also um it is a small space we're not a large museum and you really can con- i mean I'm, I'm some of your visitors may have visited you know, some of the large museums in the world, like the Met or the Louvre in Paris or the MFA in Boston. And, you know, those are like, you could go there for days and days and days and not see everything. And I think you can come to the Fleming, you can come to the Fleming for half an hour and have a really meaningful experience and have fun with a friend or a family member or a child or a grandchild. Um, and, uh, and not feel overwhelmed or exhausted. You really can walk through our space and, and um, a short amount of time, and I think see some see some really beautiful and um, thought provoking things. It's true. I I took my daughter there pre COVID, but when we were upstairs in this beautiful mezzanine sort of walk around, I guess you would say, and all of the paintings, and it's 
it's not like a one blend or style. It's mm-hmm. just everything, mm-hmm. right? And I imagine if you had a contest and asked everyone their top four <laughs> paintings, you'd have this plethora of answers of people attracted to something that they saw and, and loved. Absolutely. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I don't answer that question. <laughs> Partly because no, I don't. Yeah. And I, I can't answer that question. Yeah. I don't have a favorite. Um, what if it was a Jeopardy question? <laughs> <laughs> I'd at least answer it in the form of a question. Right. <laughs> we have, uh, we're about a minute and a half away from, um, this segment of the show. We've been talking, uh, with the director of Fleming Museum, uh, Sonia. It's a, it's a, it's a treasure, really. It is. And I, I honestly didn't know that you could come in for free. I guess I didn't remember that, but how amazing is that? That I believe was a change made during COVID when the museum reopened. And so I'm very okay. happy about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be any barriers to anybody coming. You can park. If you drive a car, you could come in for free. Um, and I really welcome, um, everybody to come in and, and let me know when you do, cause I'd love to say hello. And you're open five days a week? We're open Tuesday through Saturday. Please always check our website for up-to-date hours. Um, and, you know, we close during UVM's, you know, major recesses, but um, we're mostly open Tuesday through Saturdays and late on Wednesday evenings. Awesome. Uh, Sonia Lundy, Director of Fleming Museum. Um, Thanks so much for being here today. Brad, thanks very much for having me, too. So uh, we will be back uh, right after this with uh, Elliot Greenblatt and AARP Fraud Watch. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. Thanks for listening. We can't do this without you.